0: Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your word today. Thank you for a great church with a great pastor, with a great congregation, with a great God, with a great vision to get the gospel to the world. To reach way down and lift way up. To go to the uttermost and the guttermost. Father, to lift people and love people and share with people, to care about people, to to reach the unreached, to love the unlovely, and to tell the untold. Father, this church is the shining example and a lighthouse, a lighthouse that you've called it to be, to shine the glorious light of the gospel to the nations, to shine the light of Jesus Christ, to shine the light where the light's dim, to name the name of Jesus where it's not been named, to rescue perishing souls to hit the beach like the Marines, first ones there and preach the gospel and rescue people and we thank you for it. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor Mike for, for Beth, for the family, for the Father we just thank you. we thank you, we thank you we thank you. we thank you for their part in our ministry they partner with us in missions around the world. they just sent us thousands of dollars at Christmas time to, to give to orphans for Christmas and we were able to do that and Father we thank you, thank you thank you for this word this morning and tonight, these two services. And I'm believing as Pastor Mike said that everybody gets their need met. Father, you know, I come into every service saying I'm believing for a hundred percent. Jesus got a hundred percent. Jesus got a hundred percent. Everybody he prayed for, everybody he ministered to got it. And I believe we're getting it today and we thank you for it. And Father, may we leave this place today saying surely the Lord not Terry Mize, the Lord has ministered to us. And may we leave here today with our head up and our shoulders back realizing we're bigger than we thought we were and better than we thought we were and that we can do more than we thought we could do because we're Christians and we operate in faith and we thank you for it and we have the answer to the world's problems. There's a difference in what God you serve. There's a difference in what church you go to. Thank you, Father. And we give you the glory, the honor, the praise, the majesty, dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. You know, I've said this many times before and probably have said it here. But if there wasn't a devil, then it just wouldn't make any difference where you went to church. You could just go to the big church and the fun church, and the one with all the thrills and, and, you know, whatever, you know, made you happy. But uh, there is a devil and it makes a difference where you go to church. Amen. Amen. You want to go to church where you've got a pastor that will fight hell for you that'll uh, run off the wolves. Amen. You know, David was sitting there playing his harp and just, just writing music to the Lord and worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden he heard one of the sheep bleeding and he looked out there and a the bear's got one, the lion's got one. And uh, you know, he didn't turn and run the other way. He threw that harp down and grabbed his, his uh, sling and went out there, but didn't even use it. He got so excited when he got out there the, where the bear and the lion was, he just killed them with his bare hands. And his lion hands, I guess. And you know, we go in museums and see these beautiful paintings, or we go in churches and see these paintings. Sometimes your big coffee table Bible will have paintings in them, and they'll have that picture of David killing the lion and the bear, and it always shows him standing off about 30, 40 yards. And slinging his sling and it bears over there, got the sheep in his mouth or the lions over there. But that's not what David said whenever he told that story in, in, in 1 Samuel 17. He said, I went out after that sheep to put that sheep down that belongs to my daddy and you're not getting it. And he said, I took it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, he said, I grabbed him by his beard and killed him. Amen. He didn't stand off 30, 40 yards and hit him with a sling with a rock and from his sling. He grabbed him by his beard. I mean, up close and personal and killed him. And that's the kind of people uh, we're looking for in church today. And that's certainly the kind of pastor you want to have. Amen. Amen. You know, we just came back from Samoa and from uh, from New Zealand. And in, in in both of the places I ministered there, I ministered in Ramah all week long, uh, and then ended it with their graduation uh, in the South Pacific in Samoa. And then we went into a church there in, uh, in New Zealand that was also a Samoan church. And uh, both of them did a did a haka for us and some of you guys that have watched sports uh, over the years and you watch rugby and you see the world cup and stuff like that and some one of the most famous rugby teams in the world is the is the uh, uh, New Zealand All Blacks and and uh, uh and soccer teams and all that and so before their matches they'll come out and do a haka and a haka just where they you know they get all oiled up and take their shirts off and they paint everything and they beat their chest and they and they stick their tongues out to about there you know and they and they just they scream at the opponents and 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 it all comes from their warrior days of when they were about to, to face a tribe in battle uh and, and you know the losers are going to get eaten and uh and, and so they, they do these whole hakas to instill fear and intimidation. And they're telling them just like Goliath did to David, I'm going to cut your heart out. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. But you know, whenever, uh, and, and so they, uh, they did a couple of hakas for us there in New Zealand. Renee told the guys after they got through, she said, that's what I look like in prayer. When I'm in prayer, that's just what I look like. <laughs> <clears throat> and uh, you've heard me say this to you before, that I, I, we just believe that we ought to have, believers today need the fierceness. The fierceness of an Old Testament warrior. Yet with the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the, and the faith and the blessings of a New Testament believer. Amen. we got to combine all that stuff together. But when it's time to go to war, then, you, you, then all bets are off. You get fierce then. Isn't that right? And so uh, we, need to be, we need to be fierce. And that's the way David was with those that bear in the line. He was fierce with them. And uh, the church today, I'm not sure she still knows how to be fierce, but we need to stir up our fierceness when we're fighting hell. Amen? We don't need any of this, you know, 21st century namby-pamby. I'm from Texas. I have to watch my words here. But we don't need this, this, you know, sissified stuff of just, just oh, Mr. Devil, if you won't bother me, I won't bother you no We need to have a visceral reaction and, and absolutely hate the things of hell. God hates sin. We ought to hate sin. Amen. And uh, sickness and disease, we ought to treat it like a rattlesnake. I told you before, I'm from West Texas. I despise rattlesnakes. I never, I never met a rattlesnake in my life I didn't kill. If I met one today, I'd kill it today. But uh, I have a visceral reaction to them. And when somebody comes up to me and says, Brother Terry, pray for me. I'm, I'm battling cancer. Or I'm battling this or I'm battling that. I tell you, I just get a visceral reaction and hate that sickness and disease just like we would a rattlesnake. Amen? Yeah. And uh, that's the kind of fierceness that we need to have in the church today. Renee, if you're going to share something, you better hurry. I'm about to preach. <laughs> We've got a microphone right there for you. You're not going to do a haka, are you? No. Okay.
1: But I may lead them in prayer. Hallelujah. You can do that. Praise the Lord. Well, we're just, as Terry said, we're just so delighted to be here. And and, um, I, I know you want to hear the word of God. And how many of you know that without the word, we have nothing, we have no way to think higher than what our own intellect could produce. We would be, of most people, bereft of opportunity for higher thought, sound mind, and something that would help us intercede uh, in the realm of what we cannot see. And then be able to handle things that are against us that we don't even know are there. Amen. My goodness, if we didn't have the Bible, if we didn't have the inward presence of the Holy Spirit. And it's so amazing to me, uh, this thing we call church, it, what a sacred thing it is before God. That we live on this planet to be representatives of the most high God.
0: <laughs> Amen.
1: We live on this planet uh, to represent the almighty God, El Elyon, the God that the Old Testament says that was a, a, a warrior, the ultimate God. So I want to just greet you today and, and thank you for being here to serve God, to represent the kingdom of God. And like Terry was saying to you, you're going to have to go out and be fierce and violent (laughs) for the things of God, yet we have the wisdom of God, which is the uh, wisdom is always the principal thing. And yet we, we have that compassion and the ability like Jesus did. He was moved with compassion and he healed them all.
0: Amen. hundred percent. Isn't
1: that wonderful? Terry and I just, we just talk about miracles all the time. And uh, I was listening to a song, watching a video of a united pentecostal church choir this morning boy those folks know how to sing i grew up with a bunch of them and uh they were singing a song today saying jesus was a way maker he's a miracle worker uh he he's the god that will make a way he's a promise keeper (laughs) and he's our god how many of you glad you picked the right god Amen. amen when you were god shopping one day you pick the right God, <laughs> and He's the God that makes a way where there is no way. So while Terry preaches this morning, set your heart, just like Pastor Mike encouraged you to believe God for miracles and exhorted you and con- you confess today that you're going to have a miracle, and it's going to produce in your life, and you're going to be able to see it. Believe it in your heart. Say it out of your mouth. I mean, that's still the principles of getting something from God. And faith pleases God. What a a simple phrase to know that we can have the miraculous in our lives when we trust Him. So as Terry preaches this word to you today, and uh, you hear it with your ears, let it go down deep on the inside of you, and let your faith meet the Word of God in the realm of the Spirit and see miracles in your life. Everybody say, I'm going to have a miracle and I'm going to have it now. now. See, don't, don't put it off out there. You know, don't, don't see it out there all the time. Sometimes we just have that destination disease. It's going to happen one day, but you need to have an attitude that you're going to have it now. I have it now. It's mine. I have it now. I'm walking in the miraculous power of God. Well, God bless you. We love you very much. We're always so honored and to be here with Mike and Beth. We just love them and love your church and we're just delighted to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. I'm just so glad God didn't leave me out. How about you? Amen. Amen. God bless Amen. you.
0: Thank you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know <clears throat> This last year, we were, of course, all over the world, in lots of different places, and lots of pastors' conferences, and and uh, ministered again in Romania, as we do every year and have for over 20 years, to Gypsy pastors, and uh, and I've ministered to these Gypsy pastors over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and sometimes fought with them. My goodness, they like to fight, and uh, sometimes they just stand right up in the pastors' conference and say, "Brother Terry, that's not right," you know. So we. We just, But anyway, this last year we had such a breakthrough that uh, 300 of them contacted us and said we, we've broken off, 300 of us, they've broken off from, they call their denomination, they call it a union. They said we've broken off from our union and said we're forming a new union and we're going to embrace the word of faith that you've been teaching us and embrace all the principles that you've been teaching us all these years and uh, we're going to pay tithe. That's a, that's a major breakthrough. And we're going to confess the word, and we're going to say what God says, and and we're going to quit beating our wives. That's that's good. And uh, they just had a whole declaration of things that they were going to embrace and do. And then at the end of it, they said we're even we're even going to throw out the thing that says women can't preach in the church, and we're going to let women preach in the church. So that's just a major, major, major breakthrough with uh, with those pastors, sweet pastors, precious pastors. But you know. Uh, I bet they don't seem so precious when they're beating their wives, but they uh, that's something they just have taught in the church for years, that you beat your wife, and that's something that the wives have been taught in the church, so they just accept it. and Bless their little hearts, you know, they come up, and you can see the bruises under the makeup, and you see the jaw out of the line, and it just makes me want to beat on those guys, you know. In fact, I've threatened to beat on a few of them over the years. But uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm excited about the breakthrough that they actually decided they're going to Embrace the Word of God, embrace the, the Word of faith, and start to, I tell you, they've already, they've already in the, in the years I've been teaching them, they've already started over 400 churches, so, man, if they're going to now embrace the Word of faith and, and, and get some things right, no telling what they'll do, but thank God. So we're planning a big meeting, Renee and I are planning a big meeting. We always do the, the meeting in Romania, but they're, they're talking to us about going into either, either Holland, either the Netherlands, or into uh, Belgium this year and uh, just uh, invite thousands of gypsies from all over uh europe there's four million in romania which is why we we've focused there but there's you know millions others and uh combined in other nations around the world and then i wanted to say thank you to you guys you guys send us uh, uh every year at christmas time i just i just grab my phone and text a handful double handful of personal friends pastors and just say hey we're we're gonna do christmas for orphans this year and and we're going to help, uh, you know, all the kids that we can. And they get left out at Christmas sometimes. So if you'll just receive an offer and ask your people, just give a dollar. That's all you need to do. You don't need to pressure anybody. Just give a dollar. And, uh, and so you guys have responded to that every year. In fact, last year, Pastor Mike contacted me before I contacted him. He said, hey, are you doing the orphans this year? I said, yes, sir. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing it. But uh, this last year, you sent us two different checks. I don't know why you sent us two, but you sent us two. And uh, sent one for, I think the first one was $5,200 dollars. And then the other one was 3700 about about $9,000 you guys sent to us that we sent to orphans. And and just for you to know this, just FYI, 100% of everything we get uh, goes to the, the orphans. We don't keep any of it for administration. You know, it takes money for administration and we'd be allowed to do that, but we just don't. We just cover the expenses uh, through our ministry, through Terry MyS Ministries, and we just put 100% of whatever people send for the orphans. And so this year we, were, we sent... Help me, Renee, what came in? I told, I said just the other day, some ridiculous amount of money came in. Wasn't it 50, 57,000, 59,425 dollars and 50 cents was the last figure I, I, I saw, which is an astronomical bunch of money. And we sent that to 12 different homes, 12 different uh, orphan homes in, in uh, five different nations. Plus to, plus to some missionaries. We said we had money left over. <laughs> and then we blessed a bunch of missionaries for their kids. And, uh, and then we were able to buy some computers for some of the homes that needed homes and, and able to buy you know some other things that needed to be bought. And we still got money and because money still came in after Christmas. So we're, we're going to go distribute that. We'll take it with us to, to Romania and distribute that. But anyway, thank you for your part in that. You gave a huge offering. And, and, uh, and then uh, other people gave some huge offerings. So it amounted to all that. All that big bundle of money, so so we appreciate that, and uh, we're excited about what God's doing, aren't you all? i got a word for you. I want to share with you this morning. I probably have shared it here, maybe maybe the first couple of times I came here years ago, uh, but I know I haven't shared it in several years, and so uh, I know you need to hear it again. But uh, it's uh, it's it's a word the Lord gave me. <clears throat> way back in the early, early 70s. This is my 50th year in ministry, by the way. I, uh, Renee and I landed in Mexico City the other day. And uh, as we were landing in Mexico City and looking out over that vast, humongous city, sea of people, uh, Mexico City has been off and on the the largest city in the world over the years. You know, they, they fluctuate between Shanghai and and, and Mexico City and different ones around the world. But I don't even know how they could count all those people. So I still just always say hey, that's the biggest city in the world because there's just people everywhere. But uh, anyway, as we were landing in Mexico City a couple of weeks ago, uh, I looked out over the city and I showed Renee and I said, I said, you know, I've been landing at this same airport to minister the gospel for 50 years. Every year, every year, I've landed at this same airport uh, for 50 years. I, I, that was, I landed there the first time in 1968 and then here in 2018, that's 50 years, and uh, the first time I was 18, and, and uh, next week I'll be 68, so that's 50 years, and so uh, we've been in the ministry now, uh, 50 years, been preaching for 52 years, because my pastor made me youth leader when I was 16, but I don't ever, I don't ever count that, so I preached for those two years, 16, 16 and 17, and then I left for the mission fields at 18, and have never gone home, so... Uh, uh, we're excited about what God's doing and we're excited about those, those 50 years. And I've been majoring uh, this last month and going to continue to major over the, over the rest of the year just on, on things that have happened over, over the last 50 years. I've seen a lot of things in 50 years. and I'm excited about the things that God's doing and has done in 50 years. I've had people ask me lots of times, Brother Terry, all the years you've been in the ministry, do you have any regrets? And I always say, well, yeah, I do. I have, I have one regret and that is that I regret that I only have one life to give for Jesus. You know, if I had two or three or four, I'd give all three or four of them. But I only have one. I can only give one, so I regret that. But uh, uh, other than that, there's no regrets. I'm delighted and excited about what God's done. And he's still doing around the world and what we're still seeing him do around the world. But anyway, back in the early 70s, um, Jackie and I had lived in Mexico, and God had sent us to Mexico, and I've talked to you about that before, and we lived down in Oaxaca. And, uh, and, and I didn't know how to preach anything about missions. I just knew how to do missions. And I knew God had called me since I was 13 years old to be a missionary, and so that's all I'd waited to do from the time I was 13, because Mom and Dad wouldn't let me go to the mission fields when I was 13. But finally, when I was 18, I took off for the jungles of Panama and lived with an Indian tribe that didn't wear clothes, and we lived wildcat style—no catch, no eat. If I shot a monkey, we ate monkey. If I shot a parrot, we ate parrot. And I didn't shoot anything, we didn't eat anything. And uh, and so that's how I I started. Uh, but then I'd come home, you know. And then later we moved to Mexico. Uh, after I got back from there, that we moved to Mexico. And, and I, we'd come home for Christmas and I'd have churches, pastors, and even back in those days we had some organizations, some of you guys, the older guys will remember, uh, Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship, the Demos Shakarian started and lots of, uh, lots of businessmen would meet once a month in their respective towns and then they'd have a speaker come in. And I'd have a lot of those guys ask me and, and a lot of pastors say, Terry, come to our church and teach us on missions. And every time they'd ask me that, I'd tell myself, I'd say to myself and to the Lord, I'd say, I don't know how. I don't know how to preach on missions. I don't know how to do missions. I just don't know how to preach on it. Because all I'd ever heard preached on it all my life in my church growing up was missionaries that come through the church and they'd just show slides and, uh, you know, with hungry kids with bloated bellies and flies on their face and, and uh, they'd have a real sad look on their face, you know, and a little boy would be, maybe have an empty bowl in his, in his hand and be looking up, you know, real sad looking up. And, uh, and it, the caption would say, Little Juanito hadn't had, any, uh, hadn't, hadn't had anything to eat today. And uh, then they'd show a little pretty little girl, you know, and she'd be looking down and sad and she'd be looking up at the camera and, and it'd say, Little Maria never had a teddy bear. You know, and, and and that's all based on guilt, because you see that, and you instantly feel guilty because your little Johnny fed his food to the dog, and uh, your little, your, you know, your little Susie, you know, ripped the dolls off of, the heads off all her dolls. So, so, so it's a, it's a guilt based, it's a guilt based, money raising thing to do that. It's all true, I mean, it is true. Those people do have bloated bellies and they do have flies on their faces and they they do need something to eat, those are true. But I never liked the method uh, used to to raise the money. And I told the Lord when I was just a teenager, I said, Lord, I'm not gonna do that. I'm just not gonna do that. And uh, when I first got to Mexico, I mean, we first got to Mexico, uh, a a minister, just a really nice guy loved me and he's in heaven today, but he just kind of took me under his wing. And uh, he said to me one day, he said, now Terry, let me give you some advice. Let me help you. He said, you know, you're young and you're green and you just got here and you don't know what you're doing. And uh, you don't have any partners. You don't have any money. And, and uh, he, said, uh, he said, here's the key. If you want the American church to give to missions, you must, M-U-S-T, must make them feel guilty. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I've already been down this road watching missionaries do this. I'm, I'm not going to do it. He said, that's how it's done. I said, that's not how I'm going to do it. He said, you better do it that way or you're going to starve. And I said, I'm not going to starve. I said, God sent me down here and he's going to take care of us. And he said, you better learn how to do this. I said, I'm just not going to do it." He said, you better learn. I said, I'm not going to learn. I said, I I reject the whole concept. And I asked him this. I said, you know, here's an idea. I said, the Bible says faith comes by hearing the word. And I said, you know, when I want to have miracles, I preach on miracles. I want to have healing, I preach on healing. I want to get people filled feel the Holy Ghost. I preach on the Holy Ghost. You know, whatever you preach on, you get. I said, why don't I just preach on missions and tell the church they ought to get involved in missions? And they know they should. I mean, they, we all know we've got to get involved in missions. That's, that's not an option for any Christian. It's a, that's just that's an order from Jesus. I mean, that's the Bible, right? And I said, and I'm a giver. I get involved in missions. I don't mind telling people to give because I give. Why can't I just preach the word on missions and uh, people will get excited because faith will come and they'll give to missions. He said, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. And I said, well, I'm gonna prove it works. And so we went on a quest to prove it would work, to not make our needs known to anybody, to not show those pictures of hungry kids, even though that's real, they're really there, but not to use that as a fundraising deal, but to preach the word to word people so that they'd get excited about the Word, and faith would come about missions, and they'd give. I thought that was a great idea. And after 50 years, I can honestly look back and say, you know what, that's worked, and we've proven that it's worked, and we've been an example of it working, and we were some of the first examples of it, of it working, and, uh, and I'm still excited about that today. But I began to, as these people would ask me to preach on missions, i just say, I don't know how. I don't know how. So finally I went to the Lord in prayer and said, you're going to have to give me something. Help me. Uh, I need to, they, they, they want me to preach on missions. I don't know how to preach on missions. I refuse to do it the way all the other missionaries do it. So I, I need you to give me the word on missions. And so the Lord gave me a word on missions and uh, uh, it was four Bible principles for world missions. And then I've expanded it over the years to seven Bible principles for world missions. But uh, Really, I've expanded to three or 400 Bible reasons for world missions. I just don't ever say that in church because that would be discouraging to you, thinking that you're going to have to eat lunch here in a minute. And I'd say, take out your notepad and write down 400 Bible reasons for world missions. So we're just going to do seven. All right? And, uh, and it, it has so blessed people over the year and so transformed people over the year. I remember preaching at a big convention in Fort Worth, Texas back in 1970. Hmm. Nine, I believe it was. And uh, Brother Hagen was there speaking, and, you know, Brother Copeland was speaking, and I was speaking, and Jerry Savelle was speaking, and, and uh, just Fred Price was speaking. Just so many of the great Word of Faith preachers. We were all speaking at this, this big convention in Fort Worth. And, uh, and they asked me to speak on missions. And finally, I knew how, because I had these four principles that God had given me. And I got up and preached them. And like I said, I expanded now to seven. But, but I got up and preached it. And after I finished preaching it that, that afternoon or that night or when, whatever kind of service it was, uh, Fred Price came up to me. And he tells this on himself, so I'm, I'm free to tell it. But he, he, he came up to me. And, and Fred's, you know, tall. Everybody's taller than me. And so Fred's, you know, up here like this. And he, he walked up to me and grabbed me by my coat lapels and pulled me up. Man, I'm up on my tiptoes, you know. He pulled me right up into his face like this, and he said, Terry, you have set a fire down on the inside of my belly about missions. I've never heard anything like that before in my life. And he said, I've got, he told me how many much money he had in the bank at home. He said, it should be getting involved in missions, and I haven't been getting involved in missions. He said, I've been doing a few things for missions, but not, not, not like what you stirred me up for today. And uh, and so he got excited about that. He started supporting us as a partner, and started bringing me into the church and preaching. And I preached there every year for the last I don't know twenty some years, and uh, and then one year after he had started a ministerial organization called Fick Whiffle, it doesn't exist anymore. But he started this this ministerial organization, and uh, and he asked me. He called me and asked me to come speak at it. And I said, Well, I'd be honored to speak at it. And he said, Well, I'm going to have all these preachers from everywhere out here at Crenshaw. And he said, I want you to go back and get that tape from 1979 that changed my life. He said, it absolutely changed my life, stirred me up, turned me on. And he said, I want you to go back and get that tape and memorize it. And I want you to preach it word for word to these preachers out here. And I want it to do for them what it did for me. And I said, well, sir, I don't have to go get it and... You know, listen to the tape. I said, God gave me that word. That's an original word God gave me. And I said, it's it's just written on my heart. And I said, plus I've expanded it a little bit. You know. And uh, I said, I'll be glad to come do that. And so I went out and preached, preached for him. And uh, uh, a pastor sitting right behind me. I was sitting on the on the front row, and the pastor was a pastor I didn't know was sitting right behind me. And whenever I sat back down in my chair, he slapped me on the on the shoulder. And I turned around. It was this theater-type seat, so you can't turn all the way around. So I just turned around and said, yes, sir. And uh, he said, that stirred me up. He said, God just spoke to me and told me to give you $100,000. And I didn't know him. He didn't know if he had $100,000. He didn't know me. We didn't know each other at all. And, and I said, well, thank you, sir. I said, I'll, I'll use it right. We won't mistreat it. We appreciate it. And, uh, and uh, so uh, sure enough, that night, he wrote a check, gave me a check for $100,000. So this is my $100,000 sermon. So y'all, y'all... <laughs> I want to just follow suit, help yourself. <laughs> but uh, I want to give you seven Bible principles. Not, not, not hungry kids, not flies on the face, not the guilt trip, but Bible principles, word principles. Because we're word people, and word people respond to the word, right? We shouldn't have to, you know, come up here. You know, you, you know on TV you turn on <laughs> this same preacher, that told me, you must MUST, you must make American people feel guilty. He said, Terry, that's how it's done. He said, go back to the States. He said, now back in those days, it was just, we didn't have cable TV, it was just ABC, NBC, CBS. He said, go back home and turn on the TV on Sunday morning. He said, you'll see preachers, that's how they raise money. They show pictures of Hungry kids, and they show pictures of, you know, things that make you feel guilty, and, and, and you give. And he said, and the charitable organizations all do the same thing. Red Cross, United Way, uh, Salvation Army. He said, man, they show pictures of tornadoes and floods and, and hurricanes and, and, and this, that, and the other. And, and so you feel guilty because those people are hurting, and you're not, and so you help them. He said, Americans are good people. And so they see people in need, and they will go help them. He said, but that's the way it's done. And, you know, even today, I mean, you know, we, we still see those same things. You know, I, I sat there yesterday and watched one on, I had Fox News on in the hotel room, and they came on with a long commercial. That thing must have lasted four or five minutes. I mean, long commercial on, on animals, you know, and show you these little animals just shaking like this and tell you if you'll give $19 a month, and then they talk with, the, with their voices like, well, you don't want these poor little animals. You know? I mean, same system. Same system, same, and it obviously still works. Guilt must really work well. But you know the word ought to work a lot better. Amen. We're word people. We don't have to be guilted into giving. We are givers by nature. God's a giver. He so loved the world. He gave. We, he, we're his kids. We're, we're, we're what he is. He's a giver. We're givers. Isn't that right? Amen. So we just need to get the word and hook up and understand what, you know, what that's all about. But uh, anyway, number one, God instituted it. These are reasons you should believe in and be involved in world missions. When pastor stands up and says, we want to do something for missions, then you all just grab his coattail and say, yes, sir, what, just, just where do we want to do it at and how much and when and what have you. Number one, God instituted it. It's not a church doctrine, but it's a Bible doctrine. It's not a human concept, but it's a divine concept. God thought it up himself. Missions was God's idea. It was his brainstorm. It came out of his heart. No church thought this up. No missionary thought this up. T.L. Osborne didn't think it up. Billy Graham didn't think it up. Even the Apostle Paul didn't think it up. God thought it up. It's a divine, holy concept from the heart of God. And Jesus was his great missionary, the great expression of his love to come from his home, leave his family, his home, and come to a foreign land and share the good news. Right? We ought to believe in mission just because of that. Just because God thought it up. Just because God instituted it. Just because Jesus was the missionary. Amen? Number two, it's the central theme of the Bible. Now, you know, like I said, God gave me this word back in the early, late 70s, mid-70s. So... I've preached these seven principles so many thousands of times around the world over the years that, you know, I can preach each, each point for two or three hours, or I can put all seven of them in a real short radio program of 15 minutes. So, you know, we're just, there's just lots of information. So we just kind of tailor the information for the crowd and for your clock. So I'm watching the clock, and uh, we'll, we'll get through these, and you don't get too nervous about it. And then, then tonight is, are you still doing healing school on Sunday nights? So tonight we'll minister on healing and miracles and all that kind of stuff, and it'll all be fun. It's a central theme of the Bible. If you're a word person, you're going to be a world person because that's what's in the word is the world. That's what the whole word is about is the world. God God created the world because he wanted a family. And he built this thing, put us in the Garden of Eden because he wanted a family to be there. And he was going to come down every day in the cool of the day. And he was going to walk with us and talk with us. And he told Adam and Eve, said, every day I'm going to show up in the cool of the day. And honey, I'm going to take you by the hand. And buddy, I'm going to take you by the hand. And we're just going to tiptoe through the tulips together and just bask in the Shekinah glory of me. And we're just going to have a ball forever. Well, that didn't work, did it? But that was the plan. Well, that plan's never changed. God still wants a family. He still wants that same family, and he still wants us in his perfect place where there's no sin and no sickness, and no, no pain and no torment and no, no problems. That was intended to be the Garden of Eden originally, and that's it's heaven, right? But the plan's never changed. And so it's the central theme of the Bible. The Word is about the world, and you can't go anywhere in the Word, anywhere in the Word, without finding missions, or without finding the world. You know, you can go in libraries all over the world and go in in libraries, thousands of libraries, and find millions of volumes of books about man's search for God. But the Bible is one book about God's search for man. That's what it's about. The Bible, people always accuse me over the years, I've had lots of people accuse me of oversimplifying the Bible. Well, to me, the Bible's pretty simple in the fact that God put the kids in the garden, lost them, now he's looking for them. He's going to get them back and take them to heaven. That's all the Bible's about. God, God's looking for a man. He's looking to rescue people from the devil's hell. Are y'all here? God's still searching for a man. He's still looking for a man. And then he deputizes you. As soon as you get saved and become a Christian, he deputizes you and says, go find them. Go get them. Go bring them in. And so that's the simplicity of the Bible, Now, we can make it really hard. You know, my, my good friend Charles Caps used to always say we've had professional help to misunderstand it. And that's true. We've had professional help to misunderstand it. But it's pretty simple in the fact that God put the kids in the garden and he lost them. And now he's looking for them. He's going to get them back and he's going to take them to heaven. Amen. Amen. But it doesn't matter where you go in the Bible. Whether you go in the law, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, you're going to find... Missions, You're going to find God reaching out, trying to figure out how to bring man in. Even in that great uh, blood covenant that we all love so much with Abraham, where God said, if you'll circumcise yourself and circumcise the male babies, then they'll be partaker of the covenant. He even put an addendum in there and said, when you go to war against the Philistines and the Gentiles and the bad guys, he said, if, we, if you capture them and bring them in as prisoners of war, he said, if you will circumcise them, they'll be partakers of my covenant. So we see missions in, in, just in that alone where God's making arrangements to get, to get the Gentiles in way back over there in the law in the Old Testament. Are y'all here? But you get out of the law and get into the poetical books, you're going to find missions. Psalms 2.8, Ask of me, I'll give you the heathen for your inheritance, the uttermost parts of the, the earth for your possession. Psalms 96.10, Say to the heathen, the Lord reigns. So you get out of the poetical books into the... Major prophets, you're going to find missions. You have the other major prophets and the minor prophets, you're going to find missions. Amen. I left out the historical books between the law and the, the poetical books, but you're going to find missions in the historical books as well. And then you get, get get into the New Testament, and all you have in the New Testament from verse one to verse last is missions. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is nothing but the missionary accounts of the greatest missionary the world's ever known, Jesus Christ. It shows how he left his home, his family. His father came to a foreign country, began to preach the good news. That's that's missions. Amen. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. That's missions. He's a a sent one. Isn't that right? You get out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts, and all you have in the book of Acts from verse 1 to verse last is missions. I I mean, the title of the book is The Acts of the Apostles. You could call it The Doings of the Missionaries. Because see, mission, missionary and missions is not a Bible term. We didn't get missionary and missions from from the Bible. Uh, usually, we blame everything on our translators. We can't even blame this on the translators. The only place you're going to find missions of the Bible is if you'll go to the very back of your Bible, to the map section, and find the maps, and you'll find these little dotted lines around the map, and it'll say the missionary journeys of Paul. But it's not a Bible word missionary missions comes from a Latin word, mito, M-I-T-T-O, meaning one sent out or a sent one or I send. The Greek word apostello, so we get our word apostle from, means one sent out or a sent one or I send. So really the true meaning of a missionary is an apostle. One sent out or a sent one. Are you all with me? Now don't get me wrong, not every missionary is an apostle. But every apostle is a missionary. But that's just as clear as mud. Well, well yeah. let, me, let, me, let me say it to you like this. Let's say that I'm in a big crusade in India or Africa or someplace, and God's just moving. Heaven bends low and kiss the earth. We get caught right in the middle of the smack. Miracles are taking place, blind eyes, deaf ears, people getting saved, people getting helped, people getting delivered. And, uh, and then I'm going to go from there to another place and from there to another place, and I realize, man, this thing's getting out of control. It's getting too big for me to handle. So I call back and say to, to Pastor Webb, and I call some other places, some other friends, some other pastors, say, hey, guys, I need help. I need some people that can drive cars. I need people that can mechanic on the cars. I need some people that can do correspondence and can type and do a, do a computer. And, and, and I need people that can build platforms, uh, you know, buy the lumber and build the platform. I need people, electricians, that can string the lights. I need some sound guys to run the sound. Well, and they send those people over. Mike stands up here and he says, "Hey, we military need some help. We need some, we need some sound people. We need some light people, and we need some mechanics." And some of y'all say, "Hey, hey, hey, I'll, I'll do it." Well, he'd call you up here, lay hands on you, and pray for you. Legitimately, as missionaries, you would legitimately be missionaries sent on a mission. one sent out, uh, worthy of missionary prayer and worthy of missionary support, but you wouldn't be an apostle. Right? You'd really be functioning in the ministry of helps to help the apostle, isn't that right? That's what the ministry of helps does. The ministry of helps helps the evangelist, pastor, the the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. He helps get the get the church done. We can't function without the ministry of helps. Some of y'all uh, here in the helps ministry, uh, you know, are just uh, you know we brag on you every time we're here. You've got great helps people. But if you don't have helps, then it's hard to do any kind of a meeting. Why are you here? So you'd be worthy of missionary prayer, worthy of missionary support, and we could call you missionaries legitimately and say, hey, we sent, we sent a missions team you know, from the church, and they're missionaries, you know, going to be gone six months or whatever, uh, but, but you wouldn't be apostles. So that's why I say that not every missionary is an apostle, but every apostle is a missionary. Does that make sense to you? Anyway, so you get out of the book of Acts, so that's why I said you could call it the doings of the missionaries, the Acts of the Apostles, are the doings of the missionaries. And, of course, we're not through with the book of Acts. We're still writing chapter 29 now, right? So you could say it's some of the Acts of some of the apostles, some of the apostles still doing Acts today, or some of the doings of some of the missionaries, some of the missionaries still doing doings today. Amen? And you get out of the book of Acts into the letters, into the epistles, and all that the word epistle means is letter. Everybody say letter. Now, I used to think that an, that an, uh, an epistle was the wife of an apostle, but that's not true. Uh, Epistle just simply means letter. And all the epistles are, are these great missionary statesmen, Peter, James, Paul, John, missionaries, everyone, apostles, everyone, writing missions letters to missions churches. That's all they are. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, writing to the church at Galatia, writing to the church at Thessalonica, writing to the church at Philippi. These great missionary statesmen writing missions letters to missions churches that's why I say missions is the thread that runs so true throughout the entire word of God old testament and new it runs everything from Genesis runs to the great commission and everything to Revelation runs from the great commission the Bible is a missions book every every scripture in this Bible is 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 in a missions book and it's about missions or it's about reaching people are y'all here are you, getting, you getting, are, you, are you with me? This isn't too dry for you? All right. So missions is the central theme of the Bible. If, uh, you know, in the old days, I taught in a lot of Bible schools, still do once in a while, but I haven't done this in a long time. But a lot of times I just walk into a Bible school on the first, first morning, and I'd say, okay, students, take out a blank piece of paper, put your name on it, put your date on it. I'm giving you a pop quiz. And I hadn't even taught them anything yet. I hadn't even said anything yet. I said, I want you to write down the absolute number one most important scripture in the Bible. Write down the scripture in the Bible that is the Bible. Write down the scripture in the Bible that you can take a pair of scissors, cut it out, put it in a picture frame, hang it on a wall, and say, that's the Bible. And you know, Word of faith people are the only ones that ever got it wrong. Baptists would get it right, Methodists would get it right. You know, Catholics, when they knew the Bible, when they got finally got allowed to read the Bible, we'd get it right. And uh, because the answer is John 3:16, that's the Bible. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not should not they are every day, but they should not perish but have everlasting life, right? That's, that's the Bible. You just put that, hang that on the wall and say, that's, that's the heart of God. That's, that's the Bible, right? Word of faith people would put, God meets all my needs according to his original glory by Christ Jesus, right? Or it'd be, some, it'd be some gimme, gimme, bless me, bless me scripture. And then I'd say, okay, turn that paper in. And then I'd tell them, all right, here's the answer. The answer is John three sixteen. Now, take another blank sheet of paper, put your name on it, you put your date on it. And now quote for me verbatim, John 3.16. And again, it was hilarious to see who could do it and who couldn't do it. Of course, I guess you couldn't do that anymore. Now we've got 9,000 translations of the Bible, so it's, it's hard to even stand up in church and say, quote this scripture with me, because you get all these people that quote all these different, uh, different versions or what have you. But missions is the central theme of the Bible. If John, and if John 3.16 is the central text of the Bible, and it certainly is, then the Great Commission would be the the central theme of the Bible. Get the gospel to the world. You still here? Number three. What's my time here? Number three. Jesus commands it. Why should you believe in missions? Why should you get involved in missions? Why should missions be important to you? Jesus commands it. Jesus commands it. That ought to get us hooked right there. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. Jesus said, go ye. Ye means You. I've had people say to me, Brother Jane, I don't, I don't have a call to go. I say, you don't have a call to stay. I can show you all over the Bible where you've got a call to go. You can't show me anywhere you've got a call to stay. Now, of course, I realize that not everybody's supposed to go be a missionary, live in country, eat monkeys and bugs and worms and stuff like dog and cat and rat like I do. But every believer is a missionary, either a goer or a sender. But we're a team. It's not us against you. It's us working together. It's a missions team. It's a missions team. It's a missions team. You know, this church is a missionary church. This church supports a number of missionaries around the world, and a number number of them I know personally, and they're doing a good job. And and you're a a team hooked up with them. Are you here? Are you really here? And, And we don't see it as us against them. We see it as a team working together that we're all missionaries, some are goers, some are senders, some are prayers, right? But we can't just opt out of the system. We can't just say, okay, God, i tell you what, now here's how I'm going to do my Christianity. I'm not going to be involved in missions. No, you can't do that. If you're going to be a mission, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to be a missionary in one capacity or another, right. right? And see, the, 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 and one's not more important than the other. You know, I come in here and tell you a story about raising the dead or casting out devil or whatever, but but I, and so you say, oh man, Terry Myers does this great. Stuff. Yeah, but I couldn't do it without my partners, right? If the church didn't send me and didn't help me, you know, Paul made a very powerful statement in Romans chapter 10, didn't he? He, talked, he was talking about the heathen in foreign countries and places getting saved. And uh, in fact, he's actually even talking about Israel getting saved. Uh, but he said, uh, he said all the heathen have to do to be saved is call on the name of the Lord. Isn't that simple? Those old heathen, wherever they are in Africa or India or, or Indonesia or, or, or Los Angeles or wherever they are, uh, all they have to do to get saved is call on the name of the Lord, how simple is that? But then he asked four very pointed questions. And he said, but how can they call on someone in whom they've not believed, question one? And how can they believe in someone in whom they've not heard? Question two. And how can they hear without a preacher? Question three. And how can they preach lest they be sent? Question four. And then he wraps that all up by saying in verse 17, so we understand or we see then that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now we, of course, in the church take that out of context, and that's okay to do that. We take it all out of context and we we. We talk about, you know, that's how to get a new car or a new job or a new house or a a diamond ring or a new fishing pole or whatever it is you want that that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. And that's all true. That'll work because it's a spiritual law. But in context, Paul was actually talking about, Romans 10, salvation. Talking about those heathens and then ended it all up by saying, so then we understand that faith comes by hearing. The preacher goes and preaches. The heathen hear, the heathen believe, the heathen call, the heathen get saved. So we understand faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so five times Jesus gives us the great commission. Now, the word says we ought to be really sticklers about this and we ought to, we ought to watch everything be established out of the mouths of two or three. Well, here's five. Five times he gave us the great commission. And, he, and so that's why I said that number three is Jesus commands it. Matthew Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says, Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That's the Great Commission in Matthew. Mark 16, 15 through 18, he said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel every creature. he that believe is baptized shall be saved, and he that believe not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they'll cast out devils. And Jesus gave us those signs, and he listed the order of simplicity, the easiest thing first. Any Christian ought to be able to dispatch the devil on short notice. Amen. Amen. So he said, In my name you'll cast out devils. You'll speak with new tongues. You take up serpents. You drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you, and you lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus, and they shall recover. The original language says, hands they shall lay, and heal they shall be. So that's the great commission in Mark. Luke twenty-four forty-seven. Now, Dr. Luke was not there originally. He wasn't part of the, you know, 12 disciples in, in the original bunch there. He wasn't He wasn't with Jesus personally. So when he came along, he had to interview everybody and ask questions and then write the book of Luke based on the interview. So he wasn't there when Jesus gave the Great Commission. So he asked him about it. And here's how he wrote it in Luke 24, 47. Here's what Luke said about the Great Commission. He said, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So that's the Great Commission according to Dr. Luke. That repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And then the fourth place is John, John chapter 20, starting at verse 21 to 23. Jesus said to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Verse 23, Whoever sin, whoso, Whosoever sins you remit, They're remitted to them. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. The fifth place is Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says, You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come on you, and you shall be a witness unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. The Great Commission is the Great Commandment. Jesus gave us commandment. It was not a suggestion. He didn't say go do missions if you want to. Go do missions if you feel like it. Go do missions if you think it's fun. No, he said you go. Go ye, ye means you. Amen, Brother Terry. That's a good word. Just keep preaching. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I know it would be more fun if I'd tell you about casting devils out of a witch doctor or, or something like that, but we'll get around to that tonight. I'm just going to give you some word this morning about... About the world that cost God His Son and cost Jesus His blood, and what the church is for, what the church is about. Amen. You know, I think when we get our churches, you know, I've often said when, 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 when the great commandment, when the great commandments grip your heart, the great commission is soon to follow. Amen. And when a church gets so involved in missions and so involved in outreach and so involved in souls and so involved in soul winning, then, then you, you don't get bored congregations. You know, bored congregations are dangerous. Worst thing than a bored congregation is a bored pastor. But you know, if, if a congregation's bored, they don't know why they're there, then they get in church, they sit and they look around and they say, uh... I wonder what they spent on that piano. Well, now look, they got a keyboard up there besides the piano. That's ridiculous. That's redundant. Nobody asked me if they could buy a keyboard. Who picked the color of this carpet? Don't you know Brother Copeland's carpet is blue? And Brother Copeland has a plexiglass pulpit instead of wood? I thought this was a word church. That's what happens to bored Christians. And they get to looking around saying, oh, I don't like her. What's she doing sitting over there? She ought not be coming to our church. So pastor's wife got on a new dress. What in the world are they spending my tithe on? Those are dangerous congregations. That's a dangerous church, you know. And God forbid if your baby gets bit in the nursery. Man. But see, if you come in here saying souls, 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 holy God, holy God, God gave Jesus to win souls. Peter was crucified upside down for souls. Paul had his head cut off for souls. Thomas was horribly martyred in India for souls. They hanged Dr. Luke, killed him for souls then all of a sudden, who cares if we got a keyboard or we got what color the carpet is or, or, or whatever else is going on? Nobody cares. Because we're, we're focused on a centralized thing of outreach. That our church is about standing in the pulpit, feeding the sheep, equipping them, making them good ministers of the gospel, and then them going out there and just winning the lost and casting out devils and running, just causing panic in the regions of the damned. Amen. I mean, you want a church full of people that are making headlines in hell. Every morning, the the newspaper in hell is writing about you. Saying, oh no, they're up again. (laughs) Now what are they going to do? Isn't that right? right. And and we get get to be a focused church, a known purpose church. About the master's business church. Instead of what's none of your business church. Amen. So Jesus commands it. Commands it. Commands it. Now, let me just say real, real, real quickly, um, just, just to give you a little, little side note, um, probably throughout history, in any church, any denomination throughout history, up until about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, something like that maybe, uh, if you'd have gone in a Pentecostal church, an Assembly of God church, a four-square church, if you'd have gone in a Methodist church, a Baptist church, if you'd have gone in a in, in four-square church, if you'd have gone in any any kind of church, charismatic church, full gospel, it doesn't no matter what it is, if you'd have gone in any church up until about from, from 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 the beginning of history through about 20, 25 years ago, and you'd said to that church, What is the Great Commission? They'd have all told you the same thing. They'd have said it's it's going out and winning souls. Isn't that right? I don't care what kind of church it was. They it told you, well, it's about winning souls. The Great Commission. Jesus gave us the Great Commission. Go, go, go win souls. What, what, what does Matthew 28 say? What does Mark 16 say? What, is, what does Luke 24, 47 say? What does John 20, 21 say? What does Acts 1, 8 say? It says go win souls. But starting about 20, 25 years ago, the church took a real flip. And, and the devil sold us a bill of goods. And, uh, you know, the devil does that. I mean, he works, he has his whole departments working all the time on how to deceive the church. In fact, Renee and I have talked about this a number of times. We, We believe, Pastor Mike, that the same demon, and it's a demon from hell, the same demon that sold political correctness to America, sold seeker sensitive to the church. Amen? Just shut up, don't say anything, go to church, you know, have a good time, go home, don't do anything. Don't offend anybody. Don't ruffle anybody's feathers. The same demon that sold political correctness to America, sold seeker-sensitive to the church. But but now if you go into church in the last 20, 25 years, almost any church anywhere of any brand, and say to them, what's the great commission? They'll say this. They'll say, making disciples. What? When did that happen? Throughout history, it's been winning souls, reaching the lost, reaching people, fishing for souls, rescuing people, salvation, bringing people in. And now it's all, it's flipped now to forget the lost, forget the souls, just make disciples out of Christians. We've gone from reaching the lost to teaching the taught. Now, you know, if you're the devil, that's a pretty good deal. Because if you're the devil, then you say to the church, hey, I got an idea. You guys just get deeper in the word and deeper in the word and get taught and taught and taught and taught and and just just get as deep and as taught as you want to. Whatever you do, don't win the lost. Just get so busy being disciples and making disciples that you don't reach the lost. Because the devil realizes that you're Christians, you're going to heaven, you're not going to hell. So you're a lost cause as far as he's concerned. So what he wants to do is is turn you into a direction where you're inward and it's bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. It's me, my wife, son, his wife, us four no more. As long as you don't go reach the law. We don't care how deep you get in here and how taught you get in here and how many Greek words you learn in here. Now, as you read a concordance in here, just don't go win anybody. Teach the taught, don't reach the lost. That's the, that's the motto of hell. Teach the talk, don't reach the lost. Are y'all here? Yet Jesus died for what? Souls. For the lost. Jesus never, ever died for a Christian. He died for sinners. Isn't that right? The blood of Jesus is for sinners. Paul died for sinners, Peter died for sinners, Andrew died for sinners, Luke died for sinners, Thomas died for sinners, Bartholomew, Bartholomew was skinned alive. They skinned him alive. Now I'm a hunter and a fisherman. I've skinned lots of stuff, but skinned alive for the gospel's sake. Isn't that amazing? All those martyrs, all those people that died, all those people that were, the Bible says, were sawn in half and were rendered asunder and were fed to the lions. And all, all those martyrs' deaths was about souls, souls, and the devil trying to stop souls from being one. We're, we're just not that stupid, are we? We're not going to fall into that trap, are we? It's like, hey, we're soul winners, first, last, and always. Thank God for the church, and thank God for teaching, wonderful teaching. But then we hit the streets, and we, we witness to people and talk to people because our God's just better than everybody else's. Oh, that's not politically correct, is it? Our God does miracles, the Bible says. The Bible says no other God does miracles. And I can attest to that. I've been to all those countries with all those other gods. They don't do miracles. They don't do miracles. The Bible says no God saves after our sort. No, no God saves like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. You see, when you go out with power, when you're at Costco or Walmart or Sam's Club or the gas station or or the neighborhood or wherever and somebody's sitting over there depressed and crying and, and, and down and you say a word in season, you speak to them. You know, the Bible, you know, Jesus taught us in uh, Mark 16 just to touch people. He didn't say pray for them. He said lay hands on them. Now, I'm not against prayer. I'm just saying Jesus didn't say pray for the sick and they'll be healed. He said lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. So, you know, for years, and, and then you just see all those scriptures in the Bible, Old Testament, about the touching about the laying on of hands, about the imparting of blessing, about the imparting of the birthright. about uh, And and then you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you realize that Jesus, everybody that Jesus healed, everybody Jesus healed, everybody 100% that Jesus healed, he either touched them or he spoke to them or he did both of those things. He touched them and spoke to them. So I said all that to say this, and here I'm on a rabbit trail away from my sermon. I'm sorry. Uh, I was doing so good, I hadn't got on a rabbit trail so far this morning. But but, but for years, I've just said, now, Jesus, you said just lay hands on people. So I'm going out today, and as I see people around town, I, I, I'm praying the anointing of God on me so that when I see somebody, I'm going to figure a way to touch them. I'm not going to pray for them. I'm going to figure a way to touch them. And I'm anointed, so when I touch them, that anointing is going to go into them. So, maybe if I'm at Costco, you know, and I say, hey, Mike, how you doing? And I just, there's the touch. I want to pray, you know, and sometimes you just hold it a little longer, you know, or sometimes you, you, you stand beside them and, you know, and just talk to them, make up stuff to say, just because you're touching them. And when you touch them, you just have already believed at the house that that anointing is going to go into people when I touch them today, right? So we're just always ministering. We're just always witnesses. We're just always Christians, right? You don't have have to get on a soapbox at Costco and start preaching. I mean, you can, but you don't have to. You just touch people. But yet already having settled that at home. I've told people for for decades and decades and decades, they ask me about my crusades overseas, and and, and I always say, well, I I win the battle at home. Before I ever get on the airplane and go over there, I, I win it here. I win it in prayer here. I already know what's going to happen when I get there because I've won it here. I don't wait till I get there and then say, what am I here for? Oh, yeah, I'm going to preach. No, 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 no. We've already won this over here. Does that make sense to you? And that's what you do at home. You you win it. I'm mean, in the shower in the morning. You just you just pray in order, Abba Hashanah Father, in the name of Jesus when I go out today. I'm anointed of God. The anointing's on me. The Holy Ghost lives in me. The greater one indwells me. And, and you're going to show me people to touch. And I'm going to shake hands with people and touch people and just stop and make up stuff to say, just so I can touch them. And when I touch them, that anointing is going to go into them. It's going to lift their countenance. It's going to help them. There's people out there today contemplating suicide, people out there that are depressed, people out there that are, are going through divorces or they just buried a child or, or this happened or that happened or they lost a job or, or, or this is going on. And I'm going to touch them and that anointing is going to go into them. You see, that's, that's, that's part of the Great Commission. Amen. We're not just teaching the taught. We're just going to go to church and hear a wonderful, marvelous sermon by Pastor Mike and then, and then the rest of the week just forget all about that. No, we take that wonderful, marvelous, anointed sermon, go out and use it. Go out and do something with it. Touch somebody. Minister to somebody. Speak a word to somebody. Declare over somebody. You know, we, just, we can just declare stuff. Aren't you glad you got a preacher that talks about, a pastor that talks about declaring stuff and speaking stuff? You know, decades ago, I was preaching in Florida, and Kenneth Copeland was preaching in another town in Florida, and I found out about it, so I called him. And I said, hey, Ken, I said, "Uh, if you got any time off this week, uh, I've got a day or two off. Uh, Florida's great bass fishing, and it's January, and that's a good time to catch big bass in Florida. So uh, uh, I'll call a guide and get us a guide, and we'll go fishing. And he said, man, that's a great idea. I'd love to do that. And he said, yeah, let's, let's plan on that. I said, I'll, I'll call back and see if I can get that done. Now, he called me back a little bit. He said, Terry, I can't. I said, they got me something scheduled here. I can't get off that day. He said, but my dad's with me. AW's with me. He said, would you take him fishing? I said, well, I'd be happy to take AW fishing. That's, that's cool. And so, you know, I went and picked him up, and we went we went down to Lake Kissimmee, and, and uh, we were uh, got, I hired a guide, and it was a, it was a rainy day and an ugly day, and the wind was blowing, and... And, and, and we got there and A.W. and I got there. And, and of course, other fishermen pulled up at the same time. They're either going in their own boat or they've got a guide. And uh, man, you just hear all these guys cussing the day, just cussing and cussing. You know, I mean, all around us, we're getting ready. You know, people talking about it being a damned day and it's going to be a damned fishing day and, and and the fishing wasn't going to be any damn good. And and so I just started saying, praise the Lord. A.W., we're going to catch a lot of fish today. It's a blessed day. Isn't this a great day? You, you know, and I just kept talking about that. Someone's got to come over and say, what are you talking about? Look at this day. This is, this is all, oh, no, man, this is a blessed day. said so we're going to come back with some big fish. Said, 'No, said, no, you don't catch anything. Today. I said, well, you may not be able to catch anything today, but we're going to catch some fish today because it's a blessed day. Oh, well, now, see, if you're declaring a blessed day and they're declaring a damn day, well, now, who are you going to bet on? I tell you, we came in with a 12-pounder, an 11-pounder, a 10-pounder, 2 and 34s. It was a blessed day. We were holding those things up. I mean, a 12-pound bass, pretty good size. Man, I mean, his mouth's at you know, large-mouth bass. That's, there's a reason they call him that. Those other fishermen coming in, you know, nothing. Their eyes just bugging out. How'd you guys catch those? I said, well, we just went to a blessed spot. And, in our, in our blessed day, I said, did y'all go to the damn spot in the damn day? See, I'm calling our spots blessed. Isn't that right? I can tell you gajigging stories like that. Y'all can tell your own stories like that. I hear I'm off on a rabbit trail again. Now my clock's running away. Where am I at? Number four, I'm not doing too good, am I? We'll get through number four real fast. Love compels it. Love compels it. I mean, do you need any other reason to get involved in world missions when pastor stands up and says, we're gonna do something for missions other than the fact that love compels you to do it? Love compels it. Love compels it. We're lovers. We're Christians. They'll know we're Christians by our by our love. Isn't that cool? Amen. You know, you guys send me a check for nine grand to give to orphans for Christmas in, in five different nations in, in India, Romania, Mexico, Haiti, and Jamaica. Five nations. Twelve different homes, plus we did other people besides that. But in those particular homes, and, and that's love. Love compels it. He stands up, let's send, let's send Brother Terry some money to bless these orphans for Christmas, and y'all come up with nine grand. And you did more for other missionaries, I know. I mean, that's just us. I don't know what all you did for everybody else. But see, that's what Christianity is. Love compels it. Sure, Pastor Mike, let's do it. Like I said, I didn't even contact him last year. He contacted me. Renee and I were sitting doing a, doing a podcast. Had our earphones on doing the podcast there and the microphones there in the office. And, and, and he texted, hey, you doing a, you doing Christmas for orphans this year? I texted him back, yeah, we sure are. So he, he's already asking me instead of me asking him. Because you guys are lovers. And love compels it. 1 John 3.17 says, when you see your brother in need and shutteth up your bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? That's a question. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Amen. Whoso has this world's goods and seeth his brother in need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, question. How dwelleth the love of God in him? Then he goes on to say in verse 18, he said, Now, now brethren, so let, let us not love just in tongue in word, but in deed and in truth. You know, the word goes on to say, he tells us if you see somebody that, 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 that's hungry and you just say, oh, bless you, brother, be warmed and filled, but you don't do anything for him, He said, that, that, that doesn't work. But love compels it. Jesus said, John, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Love, love compels it. He so loved, he gave. He so loved, he gave. He so loved, he, love, and, love and giving always goes together. The Bible says God is love. I wish it said God is love and love is giving. It, it talks all the way around that, but I wish it just said it in plain English. God is love, love is giving. Because that's what love is. So you can, you can give to someone without loving them but you can't love someone without giving to them. That would have been a good place for all the wives to elbow their husbands. <laughs> you, can love, you can give to somebody without loving them, but you can't love somebody without giving If you love them, you're going to give. Amen, Brother Terry. Praise the Lord. Number five, fairness requires it. It's not fair that we hear the gospel and get to go to heaven and somebody else doesn't. It's not fair. It's just not right. You know, we live in this great country of America where you hear the gospel and hear the gospel and hear the gospel. And it's on radio and it's on television and it's, it's on every corner. And, and even in the movies you watch and in the TV shows you watch, there's always something in there about somebody preaching the gospel or somebody quoting scriptures. Or Do you ever notice in all these cop shows, all the cops can quote scriptures? I'm always amazed how just, you know, somebody will, somebody will say something to some detective you know about and he'll, just, and he'll just quote some whole scripture, you know, that I'd have had to go look up myself. And I'm a preacher. I do this for a living. And here this cop just starts squirting out scripture. And, it, and they just write them in. You just can't watch a TV show hardly without the gospel somehow. You know, they'll go to arrest some drug guy and across the street, some guy's preaching uh, the Roman road, you know, preaching Romans 10. And it's just, it's, it's amazing how the gospel's just everywhere. It's on bumper stickers. It's on billboards. Right? I used to say America doesn't really have any heathen here. It just has Christ rejectors. A heathen somebody's never heard. A Christ rejector somebody has heard and rejected. And America's always had Christ rejectors. They heard it but don't want it. But I've had to change that in the last few years. I think we really do have a lot of heathen in the nation now that, that have gotten so we've gotten so unchurched that people really don't hear. Amen. So that means that means our churches have more work to do to reach souls win souls because the church has turned so inward and so inverted. Lord bless me. Lord bless me. Lord I'm going to make me a disciple and, and somebody out here is going to hell. We're used to it, it as go out and reach the lost. Fairness requires it. It's just not fair that one sixth of the world hears the gospel over and over and over and over and over and over, and over while five sixths of the world goes without how would you feel if you were God, if you were, on, if you were the Lord of the harvest sitting on your harvest, on your throne, looking at the harvest field, the world, and you see this one little area the United States just bombarded over and over with the gospel 24-7, and while all these parts go without, it's not fair. It's just not fair. So we Christians ought to be involved in mission just, just for that point alone. It's just not fair. Number six, it's a debt that we owe. It's a death that we owe. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, I am debtor. I'm in debt. He said, I'm a debtor. He said, I owe the gospel. I owe the gospel to the Greeks and the Jews and the wise and the unwise, of barbarians. I, I, owe, I owe the gospel. I'm in debt. And he says, so as, as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that roam also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation, even to him that believeth to the Jew first and to the Greek. You know, the, the, the Christians, his friends and supporters and people that loved him, begged him not to go. He said, I'm going to Rome to preach. They begged him not to go. They cried. They fell over on him and begged him not to go. And he said, he said why do you make this ado and weep? I, I have to go. He said, woe to me if I don't go. I have to go. Agabus the prophet grabbed a girdle and tied his hands up with it and said, if you go, you'll be bound just like this. Now this was a good prophet. This was this was a prophecy by the Holy Ghost. This wasn't this wasn't a demon or an angel of light. No 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 no. It says that Agabus spoke by the Holy Ghost and said, "If you go, you'll be bound like this." And Paul said, "I can't help it. I can't help it. I've got to go. I know how he feels. I, I, I've i I've gone to some countries. That, man, it was dark and gloomy and doom. And man, I'm just praying and believing God and said, dear God, I." He said, I have to go. They said, Paul, if you go, you'll be put in jail. And he made this statement. He said, I'll gladly go to jail and die also. What happened to him? He went to jail and died also. They cut his head off. Isn't that right? But he didn't care. He said, I can't help it. I have to go. I can't not go. They came to Jesus one night in Luke chapter 4, and they said, hey, Jesus, you did really good preaching over there the other night. They want you to come back and do a three-day seminar. And he said, no. He said, I must go to the next cities also, for there, thereunto am I sent. So he knew he was a sent one. He knew he was a soldier under command. He, knew he, he and Paul, Jesus and Paul both, were not willing to saturate one area of the gospel, one area with the gospel at the expense of the others. They said, no, 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 we, we can't stay here where it's nice and we've already preached. We gotta go somewhere else. We gotta go preach over here. Amen. Cost them both their lives. See, I don't want it to cost you your life. I don't want it to cost you blood, sweat, tears. I do expect it to cost you some prayer and some money. Isn't that right? You know, back in the back in the day they used to say about Britain, about England, about the British Empire. They used to say, the sun never sets on the British Empire. The British are all over the world. It's, it's somewhere, no matter what time zone it is, somewhere today the sun's shining on the British Empire. And I heard that when I was a kid, and so I started saying, the sun never sets on my money. My money's working all the time somewhere, because I just started giving to missions as, as a kid. And I just wanted, always made sure I had money invested in a number of places around the world where it was always sunshine somewhere. The sun's always, always, always shining on my money working somewhere. And you know, I get to, I get to be, a, I, I get the best of both worlds. I get to be not only a, a, a sender, thank God I'm a sender. We Renee and I send lots and lots of money to lots and lots of missionaries. But not only are we senders, we get to go. So we're goers and senders. Amen. Praise God. So I, I, I don't know about you all. I, I've sent money to lots of countries I've never preached in. I've built churches in countries I've never preached in. I've put roofs on churches I've never preached in. I've helped pay for crusades in countries I've never been to. I just want my money out there working, out there working, out there working. If I, if I'm, when I go to bed sleeping at night, I want my money out there preaching somewhere. Isn't that right? Where are we at? Number six, it's a debt we owe. Number seven. See, some of y'all that weren't in faith didn't know if we'd get to number seven <laughs> or not. But most of you are faith people, so you knew we would. Number seven, it, it, It's the return of Jesus hinges on it the return of Jesus. You ought to believe in missions, be involved in missions, because the return of Jesus absolutely hinges on it. Mike, you can confirm this because you knew Brother Hagen so well, Dad Hagen. I knew Brother Hagen since I was 16 years old. And I'd never, in all those years, I'd never, 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 never heard him preach on missions. I'd heard him preach lots of good stuff on lots of good subjects. Never heard him preach on missions. And one time back in the I guess it was late '80s. We were doing a big conference uh, at Bob Yandian's Church in Tulsa, Grace. And again, I was speaking. Brother Hagan was speaking. Brother Cope was speaking. Fred Price was speaking. Jerry Seville was speaking. All these guys were speaking. And we had set this meeting up that week as as Monday through Friday, and we set it up where the first night we had an apostle speak, and then a prophet speak. Or, or, or we had well, that's not right. We had, we had evangelist pastor. We had a we had a prophet apostle. Let me try it one more time. We had apostle prophet evangelist pastor and teacher. That's the proper order. But we didn't do it in that order. We took Brother Hagen, who's the prophet, and put him on Friday instead of putting him on Tuesday. And the reason we put him on Friday was to hold the crowd. We thought, well, if we wait keep Brother Hagen to the end, the crowd will stay till the end. You know, if we put Brother Hagen up here on Tuesday, they'll all be gone by Friday. But uh, we had uh, we had. Tremendous, tremendous convention all week, and it was funny that so many people got up and preached on missions. It was not a missions convention, but uh, we had even invited Jimmy Swaggerty, in, who wasn't of our bunch. But we we had a thing where every year we'd invite what we called an outsider in. You know, that wasn't for the Word of Faith or didn't agree with the Word of Faith, but but was still a good guy and was still winning souls and doing something. So we had Brother Swaggerty in, and, and and of course this was before his troubles, and. Uh, he preached a message that night, I'll never forget in all my life, he preached a message on, on fill your horn with oil and go. Talking about how Samuel had poured the oil and, and uh, you know, poured it on David and anointed him and all that stuff. And God said to him, fill your horn with oil. Anyway, and, uh, but the last night, Friday night, everybody. it seemed like everybody just kind of preached on missions, and they weren't supposed to. Missions wasn't the theme, and it wasn't a missions conference. It's just that's what the Holy Ghost was saying. And the last night, Friday night, Brother Hagen stood up to preach. The prophet stood up to preach. And I'm sitting right here on the front row. And uh, he started preaching out of James chapter 5. Is that right? Where's my scripture here? Yeah. 5-7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter and he started preaching on this scripture, and then started preaching missions. And I sat there and begin to run along ahead, thinking he's going to preach on missions. Dear God, Kenneth Hagen's going to preach on missions. And uh, I-, I whirled around behind me, and Ken Jr. was sitting on the, you know, Pastor Hagen now. Uh, Kenny Wayne was sitting on the behind me, and uh, I said, Ken, he's going to preach on missions. He said. Terry, I think he is. I, 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 I think he's gonna preach on missions. I said, Have you ever heard him do that before? And he said, never, never. I turned to Buddy Harrison, who's, who's his brother Hagen's son-in-law. I said, Buddy, have you ever heard dad preach on missions? Ever, ever in your whole life? He said, never in my entire life have I ever heard that before. And, and he preaches marvelous message on, on, on James chapter five. But, but, but what I'm saying is number seven is that the return of Jesus hinges on it. That's what Brother Hagin was saying here in James chapter five. The, the husbandman, the father, God, is waiting on the precious fruit of the earth. That's us. He's waiting and has long patience for it and he's wanting to receive the precious fruit of the earth to himself. The return of Jesus hinges on world missions. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, now Jesus is a prophet, and Jesus prophesied, Matthew 24, 14, and he said, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all, A-double-L, we word in the Bible, all nations, and then shall the end come. So we're not waiting on God. God's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to get the gospel to the world. This gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, shall be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end shall come. Now, all my life, I've had people stand up in church and even prophets stand up in church. They say, hey, you know, sleep with one eye open tonight facing the east because Jesus could come tonight. Every Bible prophecy has been fulfilled. Everything's happened. Everything's done. He could, he could come down. And I always go up to him after serving. So what about Jesus? Remember Jesus? He was a prophet. He was the best prophet I ever heard, better than you. And he said that this gospel of the kingdom shall be reached in all the world as well as to all nations. And then, then the end shall come. Now, as a good little Pentecostal boy, I went to sleep, Beth, every night facing my east wall. I mean, every every night of the world, I went to bed facing the east wall of my bedroom. But but you know, Jesus hasn't come yet, but he is coming. And he said the end shall come when we get off our uh, blessed assurance and get the gospel to the whole world. One more scripture for you. Can you handle one more? Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. John, John the Revelator, looked and he said, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb. Well, if John saw that, it's really going to have to happen. But for it to really happen, we, the church, is going to have to get the gospel to every nation, kindred, people, tongues, creed, class, and color. Amen. We've got our job cut out for us to do to cause the precious fruit of the earth to be gathered to the husbandman, and then God gets to take us to heaven and Jesus is going to come on that, he's going to be that great white horse rider written on his vesture and on his thigh, Lord of lords and king of kings. And when he comes and splits the eastern sky and takes us with him, then he's going to say, well, ha, ha, ha on the devil. I accomplished what I intended to accomplish last week in the garden. You know, God doesn't know what time is. The Bible says a thousand days, a day is like a thousand years. to him. He, you know, he doesn't he know the difference. He just thinks he put Adam and Eve in the garden last week. And lost them and been looking for them ever since. And now he's going to get them, take them to heaven and say, okay, now I'm back on track. Now I'm back now I'm back where I intended to be. Amen? Amen? Seven Bible principles. No hungry kids, no flies on the face, no guilt. But just a word from the Lord, from the Bible, that as a Christian we have a function. And that function is to get busy with sowing, either a goer or a sender or both. Uh, and and, and get the job done, win souls for Jesus, rescue people from a devil's hell. We don't want anybody to go to hell. Amen. Amen. I preached a message here to you, I don't know, last year or something, called Three Missionary Calls, a call from hell, a call from the heathen, and a call from heaven. And that call from hell is not fun. You go read it, Luke 16. Mike, somebody sent me a, a, a brochure yesterday. This is sad, man. Big conference being held by a bunch of preachers I never heard of. But it's supposed to be a real doctrine that's going to take the nation. And it's called, the conference is called Rethinking Hell. Rethinking Hell. In other words, there's no hell. Now, if you were the devil, wouldn't you like that sermon? Wouldn't you like that conference? You know, I went to a, a gentleman, you know who I'm talking about. I went to a gentleman, spent five hours with him a few years ago because he was preaching grace, which is wonderful, but way out of line, which is not. And I sat there and talked to him for five hours and I said, look, look, look. I love you. And I love this guy and he loves me. I said, I, I, I love you, buddy. I love you. But I said, you've got you've to follow every doctrine. You've got you've to you've see wherever every doctrine's going to go. And I said, if we follow this doctrine that you're preaching, this extreme out of balance grace. Grace is wonderful. Grace is great. But the way you've got it going, it's not. And if you follow it out, because you're telling people already not to repent. You're forbidding people to repent, forbidding sinners to repent, forbidding Christians to repent. And I said, if you follow that out where it's going to, because it'll go somewhere. You always follow a message where it's going to go. You don't just hear a word sometimes, oh, that's a great word. No, look at that word and say, where does that go? Take this word I preached to today I say, where does that go? What goes to soul winning, doesn't it? It goes to getting people out and winning souls and winning the lost. I mean, you follow it, where is this going to go to? And I said to him, I said, if you follow this out, you're already saying don't repent. So pretty soon you're gonna be saying logically, the next logical step is that, well, there's nothing to repent of. If you don't repent, there's nothing to repent of. So therefore there's no, what, sin. If you believe there's no sin, you follow that out. Then you're gonna have to say, well, then there's no punishment for sin. If there's no sin, then there's no... See, we all sit here and say, hey, dear God, there's sin and there's a punishment for sin. It's hell. But no, 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 no. If you are believing that other direction, you're saying, well, if there's no sin, then there's no punishment for sin, so there's no hell. So let's rethink hell. I said to Renee yesterday, I said, see here, I, I, I've been saying this for five years now that it's going to come to this point to where there's no hell. And if there's no hell, well, then, you know, there's no devil. Either there's no devil or the devil's going to get saved and go to heaven. One of those two. Because if there's no hell and if there's no sin, you see how dangerous that is? So I got this brochure yesterday, Rethink Hell. Well, I don't need to rethink hell. I read Luke 16 where Jesus said, Hell has torments, plural. Plural. And where the rich man said, "Please send that beggar to touch my, dip his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm tormented in this flame," right? Luke 16. Well, did y'all get anything out of all that? It's 15 to 15 to 12. You got your beans set to burn at 12. Stand up with me if you would, please. It's always fun ministering to you guys. Tonight, now, I want to minister on healing, miracles, talk about miracles, preach on miracles, believe God for miracles, and it uh, uh, doesn't mean you can't get one this morning. I'm going to pray for you right now, but, but tonight, we'll focus that direction. Praise the Lord. Father, <clears throat> thank you for this word today. Seven Bible principles, solid Bible principles why we Christians should believe in and be involved in missions right here through our local church, right here with Pastor Mike, whatever direction you lead him, Father, to missions, just lead him, guide him, direct him, and the church can grab his coattail and say, Pastor, we're with you, and uh, we're about the master's business, and so Father, take this message today. Seven Bible principles, Bible principles, Bible principles. No no pictures of hungry kids, no flies on the face, no bloated bellies, even though that's real and those kids are really there and they're really hungry. I understand that, but but guilt is not not our method today. The Word of God is our method. To preach the Word, the Word creates faith. Christians stand up, move on the Word. The world gets blessed, God gets happy. It just works that way and we thank you for it. You said that every time we win a soul, heaven rejoices, heaven has a party. So Father, we want to be the church that makes heaven happy, that makes heaven party, that makes heaven rejoice, that makes heaven fiesta. We thank you for it. And Father, I thank you that every man, woman, boy and girl in this place are soul winners, missionaries, prayers, goers, or senders, but they're missionaries. They don't opt out of the system and say, no, I'm not gonna play. I'm not gonna gonna opt in the I'm gonna opt out. No, 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 no. They're missionaries. They just need to find their niche. Father, am I a goer? Am I a giver? Am I a sender? Or am I all three? What what do you want me to do? In Jesus' name. And I thank you for it. Thank you for this great church. Thank you that it is a missions church. And thank you that they're about the master's business, that they've got money planted around the world. The sun shines on their money all the time. And I thank you for that and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Father, I believe there's people in here that are going to be goers Maybe some of these young people, uh, goers, missionaries, uh, uh, go and live in a country or be in a country. I believe you to refine their call and direct them and lead them that they don't miss it. That you lead them and guide them and direct them by the Holy Ghost. That you send them and when you send them, you have people pray for them and people give to them. And that they'll go and they'll be a success and they'll come back a success. And we thank you for it. Father, we realize as being an old missionary now, 50 years doing this, I realize it's as important for them to come home as it is for them to go. So missionaries need to always know when it's time to come home and refresh and regroup. And I thank you for that. And give you the glory in Jesus' name. Write these seven principles on our heart. Write them on our heart. That we absolutely, they, they burn on the inside of us as they have burned in me for all these years. Now, Father, I pray healing for everybody. Hold your hand up before God today and hold you put your other hand on yourself. Lord, I pray healing this morning. Even though we're in, a, in an abbreviated prayer time here, Lord, we're going to pray tonight and take more time and minister the word uh, on healing. But I want to minister to them this morning for healing from the crown of their head to the soles of their feet. That the anointing of God, the tangible anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts fall in this place right now. Fall right now. Spirit, soul, body. Healed, healed to the glory of God. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I curse and rebuke sickness and disease, whatever name it's called, whatever name, Latin name medical science has given it, I curse it as Jesus cursed the fig tree and commanded it to die and wither and get out of their body in Jesus' name. Disease you'll not live in our body. You will not live in our mind. You will not live in our body. I curse every neurological disease like, like, like Alzheimer's or, or uh, uh, dementia or anything along those lines and minister healing to the mind. Healing to the mind. That the memory of the just is blessed. Healing. Healing. That all the, the, the cells in the brain come alive in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, you said, I've not given you the spirit of fear, but I have given you the spirit of love and power and of a sound mind, of a sound mind, of a sound mind. Father Nebuchadnezzar said when he came out of that, living like an animal, living like a beast, living out in the the field, eating the grass and weeds. And after he came out of that, he said, the right use of my mind returned to me. Thank you, Father. Thank you. He said, my reason in the right use of my mind has returned to me. Father, we declare that those people that are battling those diseases, we declare that their reason and the right use of their mind returns to them. In the name of Jesus. Body, you line up with the word of God from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet from the bones to the blood to the organs. Be healed. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be made whole to the glory of God. Head to foot. And Father, we thank you for it and give you the glory. Give you the praise. Majesty. Just hold your both hands up and worship him. Thank you, Father. We give you glory. We would not touch your glory. We give you the glory. We give you all the glory. Majesty and dominion in Jesus' name. If you're here this morning, you're not saved, you're not born again, or if you're watching on on Facebook, you've not accepted Jesus into your heart, you never asked him into your heart, you don't know if you died today, if you'd go to heaven or if you'd go to hell. I will tell you this, you are gonna live forever. Sometimes Christians, uh, it's a misnomer when us Christians say, hey, you get saved and you'll live forever. No, we're gonna live forever anyway. Every person that's ever been born on this planet is still alive today. And you'll live either eternity in hell without God in torments, or you'll live with God. And today that's your option. Today that's your choice. There'll be a day when you don't have a choice anymore, but right now you've got a choice. Don't let it be too late. So if that's you, if you want to get saved today, you want to give your heart to Jesus today, you want to make your salvation sure, just lift your hand. I'll see it and pray for you. Just say, Terry, pray for me. I need to accept Jesus. I need to make things right. Anybody, 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 anybody? I see some folks with their hands up, but they're just praising the Lord. So anybody wave at me? You want me to pray for you? You're not saved? You're not born again? All right. All right. Well, for those of you that are watching on Facebook, audience or congregation, pray this prayer with me and you watch it on Facebook, pray this prayer. Or if you're listening to the audio uh, later, if you're listening to a CD later, pray this prayer. Say, Father, I come before you today to accept Jesus. I believe in my heart, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he was born of a virgin, lived on this earth as a man, died on the cross for me paid for my sins with his blood and that you've forgiven me of all my sins and I thank you for that. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Make me a new creature. I'm born again and I'm a Christian. I'll serve you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you prayed that online or on Facebook or if you prayed it by listening to the CD later, then write the church here, write to Foothill Family Church, write Pastor Mike Webb, let them know. You can contact us if you want to. I'm always happy to hear from you. You can always find me at terrymines.com or terrymines.org or just, you know, all that kind of stuff. By the way, we put a podcast out every week. Renee and I put a podcast out every Wednesday. And so there's a fresh one, a new one every Wednesday. But then there's almost a 100 archive that you can go back and listen to. And you can just find that. And that's free for nothing at TerryMinds.com, And you can just turn us on, turn us off, tell us to preach, tell us to shut up. And uh, on Wednesdays, grab your Bible and a cup of coffee and just, you know, go with us. And we'll just have a good time. And uh, we, we really enjoy doing those. And I love the fact that it's free and you can just get it anytime you want to. And so you listen. Those of you listening on Facebook can do that. You can go to TerryMiles.com. But anyway, if you accepted the Lord with this prayer, let the church know. Let Pastor Mike know. I mean, we don't want you just to get lost out there. Uh, but we want you to know that you, you know, know. They, if you don't live here in this area, well, they'll know where there is a good church in your area, and we'll find out where a good church is in your area. But you need a Bible, and you need a Bible-teaching church. If you live in this area, I highly recommend this church and Pastor Pastor Webb. Praise the Lord. y'all get anything out of all this today? Well, give the Lord a good hand. Pastor?
2: Amen. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. Let's, uh, Let's dismiss in a word of prayer. Father, you said in your word that Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Well, you told us in Zechariah chapter 10 and verse 1 that we're to pray and to ask you for the rain. So we do that right now. We ask you, Father, for the rain. We ask for the presence of God and the power of God to be in manifestation in the church. Not just this church, but including this church. That the power and the presence of God would be in manifestation in this church and in your church in the last days. In such a measure that healing would flow like a river and salvation would rise as the tide. Where one was saved, ten will be saved. Where ten were saved, a hundred would be saved. Because of the move of the Holy Ghost the latter rain. We thank you, Father, for doing it. We know that you want to do it. Your word says so. And so we thank you for making it good. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Thank you for being with us.